mindfulness mode. Smiling and laughing is a great way to become more mindful in your life. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining me today. And if you're new, welcome to the show. I interview guests every Thursday, and on Mondays, I release a solo episode like this. So last week was my first solo episode for 2011, and I'm going to be following this format until, well, until at least the end of June. So let me know what you think. Send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. Com. I'm always interested in, in your thoughts about the show. Now, I want to thank my sponsor, the Cascade Hypnosis Center. I am so grateful for them. They came along and they're helping me out with the show. And they will train you to become a hypnotist. And this is an extremely valuable skill for you to have if you love to help people. Now, maybe you've only heard of hypnotists as someone on stage at in Vegas or something like that on TV. Well, through hypnosis, more and more people are beginning to realize that they can be helped with a lot of difficulties, a lot of challenges, people who are, on, who are experiencing being stuck in a certain place. Hypnosis can help. It can help people deal with loneliness and weight issues, with smoking and any habits you want to ditch. And if you're a coach and you have a practice where you help people through issues, you'll use the skills of hypnosis every single day. And I know that because, well, I learned to become a hypnotist and I'm a qualified hypnotist now and I'm grateful. So check out the website CascadeHypnosisCenter.com and, uh, you know, just just move forward on that if that's something that fits for you in your life. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. I'm starting today's episode with two words. Two words that I want to frame for you. If you find yourself thinking these two words a lot, you may not be as mindful as you think you are, or you may not be as mindful as you would like to be. Or those two words may reveal to you why you're struggling and why you're not feeling grounded and why you're experiencing a lot of scattered thoughts during your day. So what are the two words? Well, get ready. They're two very ordinary words. Here they are. What if? What if? Just think about those two words for a second. How often do they pass through your thoughts? What if... I don't finish this report on time. What if, what if my boss doesn't like the work I'm doing? What if that car veers over and it hits me head on? What if I get the coronavirus? I mean, there are so many what if questions that can just immediately cause stress and tension in our bodies, in our minds. We can start a million questions a day with what if. And does it do us any good? Well, that's something we could debate, but let's think about it for a section. Uh, let's think for a second about children and how they think. Do any young children you know often ask that question, what if? Well, if they do, it's probably because they've learned that phrase from adults. In their most comfortable, happiest state, I've noticed that children are in the moment and they seldom think about what if. Well, I want to tell you a little, a little situation. I absolutely love 
Niagara Falls. I love the power of the water, the mist, the sound, the visual impact. Just being close to the falls just makes me feel incredible. And one time I was there at Niagara Falls in a gift shop with my wife and son, and I spotted something high up in the wall, and it made me kind of do a double take. It was surrounded by other plaques with all kinds of catchy, gimmicky phrases on them, but this one was different. It spoke to me in that moment. The phrase started with, what if? Maybe because I've been an elementary music teacher for most of my adult life and an anti-bullying guy and a mindfulness teacher. Well, maybe that's why this simple phrase caught my eye, but I knew instantly that simple wooden wall ornament had to go home with me. Here's what it said. It said, what if the hokey pokey is really what it's all about? <laughs> it made me laugh. It made me laugh so much. And I'll tell you, as I moved from childhood into adulthood, I know I began to overthink things a lot. In fact, practically all the time. And this, this habit that I developed, it, it held me back sometimes. It caused anxiety. Sometimes I felt like I was just at my wit's end. Eventually, I learned how to let a lot of things go, how to, how to check my thoughts and then back off, how to notice when I was saying what if at inappropriate times. Now, there are circumstances where it's perfectly legit to ask the question, what if? But if you're saying this a zillion times a day and it's causing you tension and stress and anxiety, then it's, it's time to really give it, a, give it a serious thought about whether you're asking that question way too much. Well, my son was about six at the time and I noticed that, that Ben seldom asked that question. He lived in the moment. Now, I had already learned bookfuls of things about mindfulness from Ben at that point in time. But at that moment, it seemed like all those messages that I had learned about mindfulness from Ben, it all came together into, into one place. And I just thought, Bruce, quit beating yourself up and quit causing yourself unnecessary tension by asking yourself this question, what if? way too often. On my show, I often ask people what they've learned from their children about mindfulness, and most of them smile, and they kind of relax a bit, and they start telling me stories about incredible little incidents that stuck in their mind with their children. If you take the time to notice, I think you'll agree that we can learn a lot about mindfulness from children, no matter who they are. So for today's show, I put together seven ways to learn mindfulness from children. So here's the first one. It's listen, listen, listen. And as you listen, show interest, show genuine interest, ask questions, smile. When they tell you something, be genuine about, about your interest in what's going on in their minds and in their life. Sometimes it's important to get down physically on their level and, and then just listen to what they have to say. And I can't emphasize this enough. Being a, a great listener is such an important skill to develop, and we can always improve at being a better listener. 
Number two, find out what activities they truly love and show interest. Now, my son loved Pokemon for a long time. So I would learn the names of some of the characters and ask him how he was doing in his recent Pokemon games. And and I would ask him about YouTube videos that he would look at that were about Pokemon. And I think that made a difference. I think it's really important to show genuine interest and find out what what those what children really love like when i go into classrooms and i'm with children like that's when they kind of sit up and take notice is when i say hey so what games do you like to play or what do you like to do after school or you know things like that and it just shows genuine interest so find out what activities they love number 3 know their name and use it now, it's so easy to mispronounce some names, and I can be the world's worst at that at times. But like when I'm with a group of kids, whether I'm teaching mindfulness or I'm, I'm at a school filling in for a teacher or whatever, I, I make an effort, a real true effort to get their name right. And I tell them that right at the beginning of the day. I say, look, I will put every effort into getting your name right, and if I get it wrong, please correct me. I want to know your name. I want to say it right. And, you know, you've probably heard this before. There's no sweeter sound than hearing your own name. Of course, don't overdo it. It's got to be natural. It's got to be comfortable when you refer to that, that person. But really make an effort to use the person's name, use that child's name. Number four, tell them stories. Tell them stories. Like most humans, children love stories and they learn from them. They particularly like stories about topics of their own personal interest. Makes sense, right? If you know the child likes spiders, like they just have this really, really profound interest in spiders, well, tell a story about, you know, think in your mind, you know, is there a story about a spider web I once saw or a story about you know, a movie that I can remember where there was a spider featured. You know, if you really just allow yourself a moment to think about it, you can probably remember some, and it, and it doesn't have to be an elaborate story, like just some little little thing about a spider. And they, they'll be like, wow, like he noticed, he really paid attention, or she really wanted to connect with me about spiders. That's really interesting. So, it might even be a post that you noticed on social media or something that relates to spiders, whatever. Number five, offer encouragement. So be as upbeat as possible and say at least three or four positive comments compared to every less positive comment. So now this takes a lot of practice and skill to, to do this, to convey lots of positive comments compared to your negative comments. And as adults, we're used to noticing what's wrong and then commenting on things, noticing what the child is doing wrong or what they need help with, you know, telling them how to do it. We're used to telling them to, you know, settle down, be quiet, or be more careful. All these kinds of things aren't really the most positive. I mean, obviously, you have to say things like that sometimes, but try to balance 
those kinds of comments off with statements like, wow, I noticed how quiet you were while the baby was sleeping. Wow, that's, that's great. Thanks for doing that. Or, or, gee, you're getting really good at putting your boots on yourself. Wow, terrific. You know, it, children really respond to that kind of thing. Now, number, number six, show relaxed body language. Children are reading our body language all the time, and it speaks volumes to a child. So yes, the words we say are critically important, but our body language can be very, very important. And, and you know, a lot of times we're in a hurry, we're in a rush, we're thinking about, you know, what we have to do at work and what we have, where we have to go and all these different things. Well, that is coming across in our body language. So, so take the time to notice yourself. And you know what? You might, even, you might even try this. Try just setting up a video camera or, or put your phone somewhere, prop it up or put it on a tripod or something and just, just shoot some video for a while of you interacting with your child or a child, whatever, and and just notice your body language. And you might be surprised what you see on that video. And of course, make sure you get permission from anybody who might end up being in the video. You know, you don't want to end up in, you know, in a, an uncomfortable situation. It's always, it's always important to make sure you're not video taping somebody without their permission. But um, anyway, I think that's a really important skill is showing relaxed body language and being aware of the body language that you are showing. Like sometimes, obviously, it's important not to show relaxed body language. You know, we want to get a point across and we want to use our body language to express that point. Number seven, smile and laugh. I always, I always say, I don't think we laugh enough in life. I just don't think we, we do. I think that you experience that with children. When you spend time with children, you notice that they love to laugh. They love to smile. They're, you know, in their natural state, they are pretty happy. They just really want to just do whatever is kind of happening at the moment they they become kind of connected with what's going on at the present moment and i think the more we can kind of go with the flow and encourage uh, a happy pleasant atmosphere the better it is so smile and laugh as much as you can and you will you will become more mindful is what I think. I think that smiling and laughing is a great way to become more mindful in your life. And if you come, become more mindful in your life, you, you will have less anxiety, you will feel more grounded, you will feel more focused. There's so many benefits to being more mindful. So think about the hokey pokey and how silly you'd feel if you were asked to do that activity at any random time in your day. It would completely change your state. And that's what Tony Robbins teaches. So learn to change your state 
and notice your thoughts and emotions. Like really notice them. Really pay attention. Hey, what am I thinking at this moment in time? What are my emotions telling me at this moment in time? Remember those words. What if the hokey pokey is really what it's all about? Oh, and one more thing. I framed those seven tips today as how to learn mindfulness from children, but they also apply to adults. Use those exact same tips with anyone and everyone from children to the oldest people you spend time with. Let me know your experiences. Share them with me at mindfulnessmode.com. Well, that's the website, but share them with me at my email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. And I may share your story with the audience in an upcoming episode. So have a great week and stay in the mode. 